Hello and welcome to episode 38 of A Beer with Sam and Peter. I'm still Sam, he's still Peter, and it's returned to our old intro. <laughs> it's returned an old, to... An oldie but a goodie. Old school form, yeah. How are you going, Peter? How's your week been? Oh, it's been a long week, mate. It yeah. has been a long week. I am pretty wrecked, if I'm honest. Um, pretty... It's probably a good thing well no it's definitely a good thing that we didn't record last night because i would have been absolutely bloody useless yeah so we're recording actually on the day of release maybe yep hopefully fingers yep. crossed but who knows so this is as current as our podcast gets <laughs> um, um yeah yeah so we, we we were a bit like we both had pretty big weeks yeah I had, a, I had a massive week at work i had most days i was yeah leaving a good hour after i usually would it's vacation care at the moment with with my, oh, yeah. my work, so but it's also not kiddies? yeah and, and you've had like exams and yeah this time school vacation doesn't line up at all with uni vacation um for my school so that means that like it's still it's all a bit cramped with work like with work wanting me to work like a whole day which is good for, for the the cash dollars yeah but it's just tough to do with with uni yeah and i had an exam and I'm looking after the house by myself at the moment, so I'm, I've, I got to take it. I have to take care of my my dog's gross ear, gross ear issues, which we've talked yep, about. Yep. But since then, both squirty uh, syringes that I use to inject gross stuff into my dog's ears have broken. Are they sort of like they've broken? They've like sucked together. I was trying to work right, out. Okay. Like I was trying to get my science brain around it, but like they really like they they're like sometimes it would be like very non-resistant you know like very easy to move the plunger yeah in the syringe and then they would just like like get like suctioned there like it'd be really hard to pull it out and i couldn't find an explanation for it like you know obviously i thought maybe like there's medicine hardening in the thing or something like that but i fully cleaned <laughs> cleaning that out they still did it and i just have no idea no idea what was going on there was maybe some, it's just a shitty syringe yeah i think it was probably a shitty syringe but anyway they're both broken, so plus side, I don't have to do that to my dog anymore. <laughs> uh, another positive and a negative is that he has been quite down recently, yeah. which is good. I mean, which is bad, but kind of good in the sense that, like, you know, he's very easy to manage. And we got our first signs that he's definitely out of the woods now because he's just annoying everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, walked, around I, walked licking... the, I walked in the door today and he had a good chow down on my toes. Yep, licking everybody's feet. Yep, Working jumping around. up. Wanting pats, all those fun dog things. <laughs> How dare he? How dare he? Yeah. No, that's good. So I might, I might go out of the, go get out of that like whole terrible hell. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's been going on with me. I I had an exam. I smashed the exam. Happy about that. But um, very keen to just have this weekend now as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I'm keen for a sleep in tomorrow. Yeah, but we yeah. So we were both busy, and usually we watch the homework maybe during the week sometime, like in our own time. Yeah, and it got to Friday when we usually record, and neither of us have watched it. Yeah, and so we just did that instead of recording yesterday. Yeah, and now we're back together recording again. And the beer we have to drink. Yeah, we've got some great beers lined up. Is yeah, like to give you a bit of an idea, we've got we've got everything from from Foster's. To this beer that was brewed in a monastery in by, France. By Father... By Father Theodore. Theodore, yeah. And yeah. his pure well water that no yeah. one's allowed to touch. Yeah. Um, it sounds pretty fucking great. And so the beer we're drinking this week is 
called uh, Moo Brew Pilsner. For no real reason. I, I haven't found any cow well, related well, stuff. Moo Brew is the brand, is like the brewing company. Yeah. And it's a Pilsner. A little, little skull on it. So this iconoclastic Pilsner style beer has a noble hop aroma and delicate malt flavor. Departing from tradition, this Pilsner uses only German spalt hops to achieve its unique aroma and lingering bitterness. Mm-hmm. Moo Brew contains no additives or preservatives and is not pasteurized. Still cold, drink fresh, and enjoy. I like not- lingering bit- bitterness. It's a nice, it's a nice phrase. Yeah, but, but it, it comes. It comes in this really weird bottle that's basically like a miniature wine bottle. Yeah, it's which is it is. Cool. It's exactly that. Like if you buy like one man wine bottles, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, cheers, Sam. Cheers. One of these days we're going to do that clink and there's just going to be a smash. Actually. Clink. Oh, no. Regular, oh, God. Regular. Oh, God. What's going on? It's all burning down. <laughs> My oh. life is paid. Not the, the beer. Set fire to the building so no one knows what we did. <laughs> Actually, just, you know, for you, for all you, uh, for all you regular listeners, for all you Guys who've been with us from the beginning. Do you guys all remember that time where Peter just like spilled all his beer on the ground? I remember that time. I do. It's, was, it's quite possibly our funniest segment ever. That was great. And turned, it was entirely unintentional. He turned it upside down to, I don't know, get flirty bits washed back in. But yeah, you, you it was one of, those, one of those beers with flirty bits in it. Yeah. Anyway. It's just an a, open episode, beer bottle. Just an open uh, beer bottle that he turned upside which, down. Which episode was it? I don't know. Early I teens, I feel. I think the title has something to do with it. It was very early on, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Episode 12. Episode 12 entitled Mistakes Were Made. Mistakes Were Made. There you go. Yes. Four minutes and 14 seconds. Peter disgraces himself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Time, time stamped it for you. Yeah. So, I, I, I like it. It's good. The bottle is weird to drink out of because it's weirdly heavy at the bottom. Because it has, like, the slender neck... Like the wine bottle, champagne bottle type Yeah, thing. we actually clinked like the bottom. It's like weirdly heavy, yeah, rather than clinking the top. What would it sound like if we clinked the top? I suppose. Better. <laughs> yeah, definitely better. I'm just inter- reading this. This is actually quite interesting. On the back, they've credited the little, it's a very simple, like, skull. Yeah. And Which apparently like it's meant to be an alien company, skull. Yeah. Artwork, Alien Skull by John Kelly. It's definitely a, a very cool looking bottle and a... Comes from the Museum of, sort of Old thing. and New. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. You can go on our um, Instagram and check out that, that yeah, photo. Yeah, definitely do. Because this is a cool looking one. Apparently, Moobrew uh, do a bunch of other beers as well. There was this one which was like this weird German beer, but they only had one of them that I would have got for the podcast. But, yeah, it'd be sad. Um, it was like this... Awesome looking German wheat beer, um, which I'll try and find one of to have sometime on the podcast. It is very interesting to drink because you, you feel like you're making no dent on it. Mm. And it's all in the bottom. Yeah. It's interesting. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, anyway, the homework movie for this week. Yes. We Midnight watched, Special. Yeah. We, we watched, watched Midnight Special, which is... We watched it together, which is always, always a bad thing out there, guys. If you're a movie director... And you're like, oh, I wonder if Sam and Peter are going to do about my movie as a homework movie. You better hope that we do it separately. Because when we watch a movie together, it always gets a slightly harsher review. And I think that's just because uh, you have someone to like, bounce those ideas I don't off. know if that's necessary. I think, it, I think it's definitely true. Do you remember that one time where we watched, I think I watched, we both watched a movie. Uh, we both watched Terminal. No, I watched Terminal by myself. Yeah. And I thought it was okay. And then I watched it with you and I realized I thought it was... 
Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Midnight Special. I, I think this is one that's an interesting movie to talk I, about. I, just kind of back to watching the. I actually kind of enjoy watching the movies together. Oh, I do as well. I like, do as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely a better experience for me. That being said, we do tend to be a bit harsher on the movie. And this time, I wasn't a massive fan. I, I I'm think slightly you, more I think of a fan. I think you definitely liked it more than I did. Yeah. But it, it's certainly an interesting It's a really interesting movie. movie. So, Midnight uh, Special is... Um, Midnight Special follows um, the story of this boy called Alton, who clearly has some sort of special powers that are, you know, explained subtly throughout the movie. Um, and all the parties that are interested in him. There's his father who's trying to... Thinks yeah, Alton's it's, meant like, for something it's like this different. sort of road movie, travel movie of yeah. this father trying to get his son to this place. To this that place. his son needs to get to. And his son's um, clearly like... Um, not human or, or 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 something. Something else is going on. Yeah, there's some like weird alien, some light shit coming out of his eyes. Stuff going on, and um, they're pursued by two groups: by your standard FBI, government agency. Hmm. Um, main character in that being in that group being uh, Kylo Ren. Oh yes, yeah. He- Whose voice actually sounds yeah, like that? Like we discovered something about like Star his Wars. His voice has a little bit of distortion in it when it's coming out of the helmet but I mean really it he actually does sound just kind like of sounds like I assumed that. that was something that they were doing yeah but it, no it, his voice actually sounds like that and I wonder why that's maybe why a big part of why he got the role yeah I think so you know after having James Earl Jones they wanted someone with with like a, a, a James unique Earl Jones, voice James Earl Jones only did the voice didn't he yes there's actually a documentary on Netflix that we might check out that is all about the um, the obscure British actor who played Darth Vader, the actual man inside the suit. Yeah, it's a whole documentary about it. Just came out on Netflix. Um, he's really interesting. He's he's still alive. Lives in um, lives in this sort of small council flat type thing. Yeah, he's quite an interesting dude actually. Just just to, just to, on a side note, he's very. He's, unlike a lot of the people who starred in those movies, he's actually quite a big fan of Star Wars. Huh. Um, and there's a video online of his grandson showing him, uh, the Rogue One trailer, which, which was pretty great. And I, I really appreciated his insight. I'm, I'm a big Darth Vader man. I like it. I like his story within Star Wars. I like stories where there's sort of like a, a fallen hero or a really sort of sad story. Mm-hmm. So I think of Darth Vader. Um, David Prowse is the name of him. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's an interesting video. Like, um, There's also a video of him reacting to episode 7, the trailer. Oh, yeah. And it's really interesting. As soon as he sees Darth Helmet, he says, he says, poor Darth. There there is. He's a weird looking dude. He says, poor Darth, which is just wonderful. And in, in his, in his um, old man flat, it's like a standard old man flat, except he's got like big statues of Darth Vader everywhere. I appreciate it. He's really, he seems really into it. Anyway, I got anyway. Really, really off topic. Yeah. Uh, so there's Kylo Ren and then there's a far more interesting group uh, called the Ranch who's like this um, religious cult who, yeah, who yeah. worships so, Alton so, as so, a prophet. So Alton and his dad are pursued by that. Obviously it's some, it, it never quite, it never shows it. Yeah. Um, it's the movie sort of starts when they're sort of already escaping. 
um, or, or already on the road, um, and they're being pursued by the FBI or the NSA or what government shady it's government the F- agency. It's the, F- it's the FBI, except Carly FBI, Renzi never and, the and they're being pursued by this cult where they used to live. Yeah, um, and where they they and, used to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and that kind of brings me to one of the things I enjoyed the most about the movie, and I think probably the-, the best, like the best thing about the movie was the way in which it told its story in that it didn't have a lot of um, exposition and uh, yeah. did a lot of showing. And it, the, it's telling. interesting. Like I, the I story think... starts, uh, the story starts like they have already escaped and stuff and yeah. it never explicitly sort of, a lot of the relationships between characters you more gain get from like conversations and interactions yeah. and sort of side comments rather than like big exposition dialogue type stuff. And it's great in that way. Like it, that's first class. Yeah. Like that's done in a first class way. The, the, the way that the narrative starts and how it's, how it's told and stuff. I think, um, I wanted to get that point out there first before I said anything negative about it, because there are really good, really good points that points to this movie. I think, um, I think when we, when Peter and I were watching the movie, as soon as it started, I, I said something like to the effect of like, it's exactly what the director I'm sure wanted people to say. Like I immediately said like, Oh, this is such a weird point to start a movie. Like, yeah, um, they're all, they're already. I didn't see them escape from the cult. I don't know anything about the cult or anybody. And you just, and it's really, it's really feels like it, it, it. You've been thrown into a movie that that had already begun, and you've just cut out all the intro stuff. Yeah, like it doesn't. It doesn't. I've seen movies where they start at that point, but they're still, they want to be, like works of art. Like, like well, that kind of thing, but really they're still sort of cookie cutter f- films. So like it starts at that point, but then 10 minutes in, there's a, either a flashback, a flashback or, or, or just the character just decides or, or it's like, at that point like to tell of, his friend. Of the, yeah. One of the people his that is pursuing them, like tells the entire backstory. Yeah. For no real reason. This, we, this feels like the characters, like we're just watching them. It's, it's not like a, it, it's not like a, a movie story where like, the characters are put on scenes for for an invisible audience's benefit. Yeah. You know, where they tell their best friend all these things that their best friend would clearly know. It yeah. just feels and, like and, you're and there, there watching is, it. There is a little bit of that stuff in the FBI, like investigating what actually went on yeah. with the cult and stuff, but it's just done very, very effectively. And by people who are finding this stuff out for the first time. Yeah. So it's sort of... Um, and, and it's also not, it's it. not, not, it's also not done in a like one big info dump. Mm. If you get what I mean, like it's not just like the FBI interview this one guy and he's like, yeah. "Oh, let me tell you the tale of um of Alton the Space Boy." Yeah, who's not, not a Space Boy? Up around out, but yeah, um, um, that, so that's really great. I, I think I think we might have it a bit of a different opinion on this one, but I also thought that the um, I also thought that the characters were done really well. Um, I like that. I knew. I felt like I knew so much about them. And yet we never had that point where they turned around to the, you know to their friend and told them all their motivations. Like I felt like as I was introduced to these characters, um, the acting was good enough and what you know their lines were good enough that you got an immediate first impression of like what this person was going to be all about. You know, I for like half the movie you don't even know who Joel Edgerton is other than he's helping them. 
Yeah. And we thought like, oh, is it is like, is it like we, we actually had the discussion while we were watching who yeah. is, is he his brother? Is he a friend? And that's what like I like. The first, someone that's been brainwashed that and mind controlled by the alien boy. Until you get to the end of the movie. And I think kind of even at that point, I like the fact that it's a movie where um, almost like reading a book, you know, if you and I read a, read a, um, read Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Um, we could have totally different Game of Thrones experiences, right? Because we're imagining how everyone looks. Um, that's obviously I think that's the big difference between books and and movies, right? Is you have to books, you have to actually bring something something to it yourself. Yeah, and why? Or, everyone, or you bring more to it than you bring to just watching a movie. And why you can never please everybody when you when you tr- like translate Adapt a book into something book, yeah. because you know you solidify it. But um, it's the same sort of thing where, like, we, we watch... We, you could watch slightly different movies with this one because you have this gut reaction to who people are. Mm. And sometimes it's different. Like, you obviously had a very strong, like, you said, well, George since his brother, like, isn't it obvious? And I I thought for sure that Joel Edgerton was, like... Um, I thought immediately that he was, like, a believer from the ranch who wanted to protect Alton, you know, like... Which is perfectly valid. I, you know, these people from the ranch clearly want Alton um, as like, a, you know, they want him as like a conduit. They see him just as a, a conduit for like God, I guess. Yeah. And when he has these fits and light comes out of his eyes, like they, they experience that and it's transcendent for them. But, and I, you know, you never really know what's so bad about them. Yeah, and, and like our read on Joel Edgerton, we both thought he'd be different things, but yeah. he turned out to be neither of those. Yeah. Um, which and, I really and, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there are great things I, I, I like about this movie. I think this brings, if I can rant for a little bit more, um, I think what, no, brings, what brings me to like what I Vito, didn't no like rant. about this movie yeah, is that I felt like this movie was um, like they'd taken this core that was kind of shit and then began to build a really great they build a really great structure, really great movie, just around this shitty core. And the core being the story. Like this, these movies. The, sto- the story is really kind of simple. It's, this style like, of movie. Is, the story, the story yeah. is just the father and son escape from cult where mm-hmm. they have been living for a while yeah. by the look of things. Which is all really good. I um, like the cult stuff. All the yeah, cult stuff. yeah, all the cult stuff is really interesting. Actually. Yeah, there's this sort of um, like guy who is sent by the ranch to track them down and his scenes are really great. He's like this really average like middle-aged overweight guy. You never see him electrician. being the one who's like sent to track him down. Yeah. And um, his scenes are really great. He, he's, he's like a He's almost like a Templar or something. He's, he, he, he talks as if he's on this religious crusade. Yeah. To go and get the boy. Yeah. To do something bloody and sinful for the faith. Yeah. And it, yeah, 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 yeah. So the plot is they escape, they go on the road for a while, they meet like a couple of people. Yeah. And then the boy goes and is taken away by... The weird glowy people, and that for you was like was 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 a straight up bad. I, I just yeah yeah I just kind of like for I enjoyed about the first half three quarters of the movie, but I was a bit disappointed in what the ending turned turned out to be, just because it was very predictable and yeah. I don't know. I got a bit bored towards the end. 
I feel like there are a lot of extended shots. Like, the, the point where the movie lost me was the scene where they're driving in the car and mm. the kid's having all the uncontrolled flashes. Oh, yeah. And they stop the car and the the mum and the friend go off by themselves and the dad and the son go off into the cave or whatever. Yeah. And that was the point where the movie kind of lost really? me in terms of plot. I was, I was still really engaged, I think. I was engaged the whole time. I wasn't bored. Um, but... For the like, and I didn't think the plot was bad, but the reason it sort of dimmed things for me is because I always felt like I knew that this was going to be a problem. Like as soon as I realized what kind of movie this was going to be, like that kind of story, special yeah. boy, speak, like talking to people from another world, or he's from another world. You just know how that's going to end, and I I think that kind of story has a real like unsolved issue. Um, as, like, as of yet, which is like, you know how it's going to end and, and it's impossible to end that in a satisfying way. You just know, you know, they're going to leave it a little bit open-ended and unexplained and he's just going to go off. He's yeah. going to go to his people. My people need me. He's going to disappear. And it's going to be like this, like, think about it ending kind of thing. And for me, that was like, you know, it's like living with a death sentence. Like I was like going through, enjoying the scenes and stuff going like, this is never going to end in a satisfying way. And then it didn't. Did you ever feel this is never going to end because this scene, which is in no. life, like two seconds, is actually been played out over five no, goddamn I minutes. I honestly didn't feel bored. I, I, was, I was fine that way. But uh, well, actually, some interesting stuff though to, to do with that point at which you got bored. Um, there's some really dark scenes in this movie. And, and like just like dark I, as yeah. in dark things? I mean, just, just dark as in just there's no lighting. There's no... Like we were inside... When it came to that scene where Alton and his father are in the cave, we were inside the house at night with the windows drawn and no lights on, with this on a big screen TV, and you couldn't see anything. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a black... It, like, yes, I'm more for a bit of real... Like, a bit of, like, nice realism in a, in a, in a movie. That's all fine. But um, I think there's a reason that night scenes in movies are oddly lit, light lit up and that's just because a practical thing you need to see what's going on yeah like what I was thinking when I was watching those scenes is like wasted money why did you even bother to shoot the like they went out into the woods to shoot these scenes they didn't need to they could have just had a black screen because it was just a black screen like um that 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 may have had something to do with your TV on a better maybe you might have been able to maybe but actually see the difference but yeah I I kind of agree I, I kind of found that a bit interesting I don't think it was effective, but mm. it was it was like an interesting choice. So there were points the where, it, where it was effective. Like after that scene, there's a scene where Alton and his father are viewing the, the sunrise and um, there's this great shot of like him and his son as just black silhouettes. Yeah. You know, with the woods is also black silhouette and all you see is the light coming from the, the sunrise. That's a really great scene. Mm. But like, yeah, the scene before that, it's just impractical. You can't, you can't see what's going on. That's not okay in a movie. You, know, you need to see what's going on in the movie. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, I thought that was that was important. I also understand that um, this movie is about a kid who has like fits where you know his powers involve random shooting light out from his eyeballs, and you'd like to have some dark scenes so he's he can do that and it looks cool. I understand that as well. Yeah, but they didn't even really do that all that much here. No, not in that scene anyway. No. Um. We should talk about what we thought the movie 
was about because yeah. um, there are definitely is, some deeper things. And also, in terms of the literal um, plot, I'm sure there are some people who have different interpretations. Yeah, so there, like, there was this. Basically, the plot boiled down to the boy was from an almost side dimension, Rick and Morty style side, side dimension well, of. I think it's a more of a Stranger Things type. So, like d- dimension. Oh, so the first thing I, I I thought this movie was all about quantum entanglement, right? That that we, you know at the end of the movie when Alton shows everybody opens up this rift, um, on a ley line point and shows everybody this other world that's on top of theirs, with these other beings in it. Um, I was pretty convinced. Like I thought it was quite clear at that point that it was definitely a an entanglement theory. And by that I mean, you know, the idea that um. Like uh, parallel worlds or worlds on on top of worlds, so not like an alternate dimension, not like World Two, in in Justice League or something like that, but how um, like if you if you viewed everything on a quantum level as like this big quantum fabric mm. that's ruffled up, and you know if you ruffled up a sheet, you see this is getting into quantum theory, but like if you ruffle up a sheet, a bed sheet, you sit like random patterns will emerge that you could see as deliberate patterns and some ruffles will be different but some of them just through random chance if the sheet is infinitely long will be pretty similar and quantum entanglement is this idea that the that the universe is like this and obviously the and the metaphor also extends to moving the sheet right if you move a sheet if you move a sheet you'll make a shit produce a shift everywhere in some way might not be the same change, you know, to the other structures of the ruffle bed sheet, but it'll change things in some way. So if you had two ruffles that look exactly the same, two ones that are roughly planet Earth like we know it, our universe like we know it, um, then you can have a, a sort of a link between them where one can affect the other. Um, and if, the, if, if they overlapped enough, if they were that similar and they were affected by entanglement in a strong enough way, then it would be like having one world on top of the other one. Like every change you do affects us and vice versa. You know, you could have that to the point where it's basically like that you, That world is on top of ours. Like you can see members of that world and everything they do, you can see and that kind of thing. Um, that's what Stranger Things is kind of about as well. Hmm. Uh, I really like the teacher in Stranger Things, but he does use that whole folded over paper wormhole thing, which doesn't really make sense in the context of the show. It's much better explained by entanglement. Um, the idea of the upside down, but uh, yeah, that's what I thought the movie was about. Oh, now Alton is communicating to them. He says that um, these beings, who seem like beings of light, have been watching us for a long time and live with us. So they obviously, through technology or something, some property to do with them, can see us, but we can't see them back. Mm. And Alton is Alton. His purpose is. By design, a way to communicate with us and show to be the bridge between worlds. Exactly, and this whole idea that he has to go to these points. The whole movie is about how he needs to get to this point. He needs to get to these coordinates. Yeah, is that that point is a crossover point? Like if you've seen Stranger Things, that point is like a hole in a tree, right? That place where the connection is strong enough. Um, and uh, I, I I felt that's what it was about. But uh, we saw other theories that were that I thought were a lot more stupid. 
like the idea that he's part of an ancient race of race yeah and things like that I really hope that's not the case I really hope we're not going to google more and find out that the director like did actually say what it was about and it's like that because that would be a shame yeah it's kind of better if it's left to your own I think if you make a movie like that you're almost it's your most obligated you don't tell people yeah right Shyamalan doesn't tell people sure he's fucking crazy but he doesn't he doesn't tell people <laughs> um yeah I thought that's what the movie was about I'm sure everyone has, a, has their own interpretation just like they have their own ideas of who Joel Edgerton is before he explains himself but um I don't know my final thoughts I kind of, what do you, what do you, like, what you think my final maybe? thoughts I, I I didn't love the ending but now having ha- talked about it a bit more I I didn't I do think it's a movie worth watching I think I, so I too. think I think it's it's not amazing by any stretch but no. it's worth watching it's on Netflix you can watch it for free well, you got to pay for Netflix, yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, and I, I think I kind of like it a bit more now. So sort of over the course of our discussion, my opinion of it has raised. Yeah, you want? Like, I wanted you to talk about one more thing that you said. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. everybody, but um, Peter had a really good point to tell me that really elevated my thinking of the movie, uh, which is this whole idea of what you, you were thinking. You were thinking this is a, that the director had lost a, a son. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I totally saw that. There's definitely, like, themes of this movie, and sort of after it, it felt to me like the kind of thing that someone would write after losing, a like, a child very young to yeah. some when to you disease, said like, that, cancer or something. When you said that, I was the, like, sort of, oh, yes. the whole ending is very much about that, like, acceptance of you're going to lose your son and, and, like, the acceptance between two parents that aren't together anymore, yeah. and it kind of felt like a story that would be somewhat inspired by us, like by a situation like that, where it's yeah. like a, a couple that they are married, but then their son gets sick and they often, dies very lo- young, and they don't stay together. The sad and, reality like, is that's, I mean, that's almost inevitable statistically. Um, if you're a couple who loses a child, they almost yeah. never stay together. Yeah, um, and, and that's kind of what I thought maybe inspired the story, which yeah. is kind of interesting. But, but there, that, are, there are definitely other interpretations as well that yeah. I'm sure other people... But I thought that was really clear. That, like, there's a lot of times where like... Um, I also feel like maybe uh, this could have been written by someone, a father who'd lost their son and the mum was the last person to be with him. Mm. You know, because there's like... There's this moment where Alton goes off to do his final... Like, closing of the rift things and going across and it's... Um, his father who's left behind to like distract the, the police and stuff and he has that moment where he says goodbye to Alton one more time and then his mum takes him away yeah it, it, are... it very much had this sort of stream going through it the entire way where more than kind of having th- it made me think about this sort of what like real life human uh, situation could have inspired this yeah. um, sci-fi movie um, more than like I think any other movie that I've I've watched of this story of a, a father who's caring for his son and his son's sick and yep. can't he's can't do all these things and is very fragile and Bruce he's Collins taking Johnson. care of them and like and he also um he's oft he's like he often has to tell someone else like he he always stubbornly says that Alton will be okay yeah. And part of the theme, I think, for him is accepting that he's going away. 
Yeah, like it all to me seemed like a metaphor for yeah losing a child. I definitely saw that. I actually think now, like once you suggest that to me, and I started thinking over it last night, um, it might tie in one other loose thing that I always thought was strange during this movie, which is that Joel Edgerton, he's sort of a weird character in that he was best friends with the dad a long time ago. Before his dad yeah. joined the cult. And he is like, you got to understand, if you haven't seen the movie, Joel Edgerton is, shoots a police officer for this kid, and he is a police officer. He essentially, like, assumes I think he's going to die at the end. Like, he risks his life. He's willing to sacrifice himself. Even if he lives, he's sacrificing a life. He doesn't die at the end. No, but he... He's like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's going to get arrested and that's it. He can't go back. To, and he's doing all this for a kid that he met three days ago. Even if the kid shoots the calming light out of his eyes, it's a pretty amazing commitment to make. Yeah. And, um, one of the things, one of the things that I, never made sense to me is that there's really, there's like emphasis placed on these times where you see the dad being intimate with the son um, or the son, or the, the dad and the son and the mum, or the, just the dad and the mum having these moments like where they were, used to be together, where, you know, where they hug each other or something. And it's always, it, the camera always lingers on Joel Edgerton. Like it's always from his perspective looking at them. Hmm. And I wondered whether the director might have been someone's friend who had this situation. Who had this issue. Yeah. You know, when Joel Edgerton looks at them, and I thought it was just him looking at them like they were weird, but looking at them seeing you know or how sad it was that they they should be together they do love each other there's no reason other than their kid is there's something wrong Sick, with this and that's yeah and that's like and that's yeah i thought like that could be a real thing he does have a line in it as well when, when he's having one of these moments where he's watching them hug where he says you would you would have had a really good family you would have made a really good family something like that yeah so i wonder whether that might be it yeah I think we're onto something. I, I think we are. We've gone down the rabbit hole. We could just Google, we could just Google this, but that's wrong. No, no, it's more fun. It's better in your head. It's more fun to speculate. If there's a tagline associated with Midnight Special, it should be. It's more fun to speculate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so, so yes, um, it's not the best homemade movie we've ever seen, but I would think I would argue it's not the worst either. It's kind of in the middle, and I and I think it is worth seeing if this kind of thing interests you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so. Moving on to another topic. Yes. Um, a thing I briefly mentioned at the end of last episode was this podcast, which I have now listened to all the episodes of yeah. called S-Town. So it's by, it's produced by Serial and the team at This American Life yeah. who make This American Life and Serial the podcast, which I think are some of the best produced like storytelling podcasts. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know, This American Life is uh, a weekly podcast. It's, it's like one of those famous ones that's been going forever. It has like 700 episodes or something crazy. Yeah. And is quite well regarded. Um, and they have a theme each week and bring a bunch of stories based off, off that thing. Is it just stories of American people or? Yeah, basically. But okay. it can be, it can be stories of anything. So they might have stories of like one week they might be talking about. President Trump and the crazy stuff that he says. Oh, okay. But they, but they try and tell it. It's more like a storytelling thing rather than like a journalism thing. If you get what right, I mean. Or a another thing. another week, they might have an episode which is all about. Um, uh, one theme might be like doing something when no one else will, mm-hmm. and it'll be stories of like, uh, of like firefighters or or like people who take care of. 
um, like the it, it, people who take care of like people with Alzheimer's who yeah. are like crutchety and old and, and mean to everybody, but they still take care of them. And like yeah. just, just every week is sort of a theme and it all ties together and they tell a bunch of stories and it's quite good. They had one which was all dedicated to like teenager high school. Uh, sorry, no, it was like middle school problems. So they had like the middle school prom thing <laughs> and people talking about like uh, setting up uh, like the middle school radio oh God. I remember, show. And... I remember our semi-formal. Was... Oh, what a nightmare. I actually had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people. Was rough. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and then so Serial, which came out a couple of years ago. They've done two series. The first season was like a true crime story, basically oh, trying to okay. uncover this story and investigate this story of a uh, girl who was murdered mm-hmm. in a town and... Um, and her boyfriend was the chief suspect and got convicted of the murder, but yeah. there's been a lot of stuff about was he wrongly convicted. The and the evidence was paper thin that actually got him convicted, and sort of investigating that whole story and um and it's interesting. And that's over it, a period of time. Yeah, it's not just one podcast. It's no. So the first season is ten episodes of serial. Okay, and then they released another season last year, which is all about uh. This guy called um, Bo Burnham, I think is his name. Bo something or other, who was this American soldier who... I recognize In, in Iraq. Name. Yeah, he was this American soldier who went AWOL. Mm. Um, and he was then captured by the Taliban and was held as a prisoner for the longest of any soldier in that conflict. Mm. Um, and was eventually... Um, the American government got him back, but... Just the whole story of how he even got captured and, like, similar sort of themes to, um, uh, what's that one about the soldier that comes back? Homeland. Oh. Yeah, similar similar sort of, like, real life story to Homeland, Mm. but he's not actually a, he's not actually, like, a That show gets so ridiculous. Um... I actually really like the second season. Homeland? First, second season. I, 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 in Homeland, I've only watched, like... Season like four or something like. That. Like I've only, it gets it gets kind of I bad. After, it's one of those point. shows that you kind of go that like it wears out its premise in the first three seasons, and then the direction they take it is weird yeah. after. That. So when I watched it, like Brody was running this operation in Afghanistan, I think, to assassinate this guy, and then he became this guy's mate. I don't know. I don't know. It was kind of interesting. I guess it was a bit weird. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. Anyway, so yeah, t- telling this story about over about fourteen episodes mm. of um, telling this story about Bo Burnham or whatever his name was, and well, ha- his whole story, how he got captured. He turns out to be a pretty kind of interesting sort of dude to become a soldier. Like he's kind of a bit of a pacifist, but and has all these weird, like philosophical, deep thinking yeah. type things. But he well, became a soldier a and like. I mean, um, that's what you think about, right? Well, no, but that's like how he sort of always was, and like oh. he, all his family and stuff were really surprised that he actually went and joined the the mm. army, and like the reason he actually ran away was a bit weird. He so the reason he says the reason that he went AWOL mm. was to draw attention to the um, breakdown and inadequacies in his command. Um, like his the command structure that was in charge of his particular that, like, battalion. He could do this and not be 
Yeah, course. exactly. So the, the idea was that he would he would go AWOL and then Come make back. his way through the desert and go back to a different base. Oh, okay. But he got captured. And that caused a bunch of problems because of that. Very controversial, very sort of polarizing story. Okay. Um, and they do a really, just it, like, Serial is just really well-produced storytelling. That's and good. so this this podcast, S-Town, which stands for Shit Town, mm-hmm. um, is a, it's very well-produced, very high production values in terms of audio production. Um, it's not hosted by Sarah Koenig, who hosted Serial. It's hosted by another one of the producers at This American Life. And it tells a very different story. Um, the opening hook, which the sort of opening hook to get everybody in is the host talking about how this guy contacted him at This American Life. Yeah. Um, who is like an antique clock restorer. What an and he asked him to he asked him to come to his town and help him solve a murder. What? But that's kind of not really what the podcast is about. Holy shit. It's more telling this story about this about this guy called John B, who's this like he's this like southern speaks with like the, the clockmaker? Yeah, he's the clockmaker. Right. He's like this southern dude who is incredibly, incredibly intelligent and just his it, it's just a podcast about him and Sort of the weird story of his life. Why is it called Shit Town? Because he lives in Shit Town, Alabama. He, that's what he said. That's like right. a, a, a thing that he says. Right. He lives in this, um, this town called, I don't know, called something. I can't remember what the town's called. It's interesting that a lot of the. But it, it's like, it's, it, 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 there's not really some big mystery to it, which the sort of int- like teaser, the te- three minute teaser that they released. And that thr- and that serial is about. It's not really a big mystery so thing. Is he it's actually more just like solve a murder. I won't go into that because I think it's oh, only it's... it's only got seven episodes, each okay. about forty two an hour long. It's not that much to get through, and it just tell like it's worth just getting to. Yeah, worth just getting into. Yeah, and it's it over a long form series. It just tells a kind of really. It does what This American Life does so well, in that it gets across this very human real life like story about different people and and it's just very engaging and and interesting i suppose okay i don't know i would really recommend it to people who like that kind of storytelling yeah it's nice to Um, see some serious some straight up like more journalistic serious podcasts out there because i think there is a lot out there. There is a lot. The standard popular podcast is definitely more of a comedic one. Yeah, for that sure. In, I mean, that even include like we're we're entertainment, but we, we we kind of pull a lot of shit most of the time. Yeah, I mean, we're we're by no means a serious. Yeah, we can get serious sometimes. We can get serious sometimes, but yeah, but yeah, um, um, yeah, that's really interesting to find out. A lot better produced than like the show. And I quite like having that chat because I a lot of the podcasts I listen to are are funny, even. Adventure or even zone. just like interview podcasts. Yeah, like. it's, it's funny and stuff like that. Like I, I, I love listen, like changing it up and listening to some McElroy brothers and yeah. then listening to Ear Biscuits or something. Because yeah. Ma- one's Ma- very funny, one's very not serious and one is actually quite serious. Yeah, McElroy brothers, this is not. Ear Biscuits has uh, got a new season, by the way. Not that it needs our little podcast to advertise it, but um, Rhett and Link's podcast, Ear Biscuits, another season. Chris Rigney, I'm talking to you. <laughs> 
Um, just to let you know. What I, I just wanted to point out one thing to all our listeners, uh, and that is, yes, I am fully aware that the Dark Souls DLC is out. No, I haven't played it yet. I'm sorry. I do still, you know, I do, I do still love Dark Souls more than any other game. I just haven't gotten around, around to it. it. Yeah. yeah. So just to sort of finish off on our talking about uh, the, the podcast, This American yeah. Life podcast, um, I'll just read out for you the uh, like preview spiel about what the podcast is about. So hosted by Brian Reed, S-Town is the story of a man named John who despises his Alabama town and decides to do something about it. He asked Brian to investigate the son of a wealthy family who's allegedly been bragging that he got away with murder. When someone else ends up dead, the search for the truth leads to a nasty feud, a hunt for hidden treasure, and an unearthing of the mysteries of one man's life. Holy shit. Yeah. It's... Sounds like a TV... That that is a a fictional... That does his better... That spiel does his better justice to the show than I could ever do, but... Yeah. Yeah. If that doesn't get you excited to give it a listen... That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. What are we doing for the rest of the week, Peter? What am I? What have we what, been what, doing? What have we been doing? I've been playing some Hearthstone. Uh, yeah, new Hearthstone expansion came out tomorrow. Which we, we dabble. Like, we mentioned Hearthstone, like, a lot in the podcast. But I actually don't remember ever having a proper... Like, we've yeah. never said what the game is. We've just sort of just mentioned it. people know what Hearthstone is. Yeah. Okay, so for those who don't know... Yeah. Hearthstone is a collectible card game. Online collectible card online game. Online collectible card game made by Blizzard, who make World of Warcraft and StarCraft yeah. um, and Diablo. Yeah. And it's it's great. <laughs> it, it is really, really great. And I was going to ask it, you it's what like you it, think makes it so much so great, because... It, it's a collectible card game in the vein of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, you can play Magic the Gathering online, right? You can play... Shit, you can play Yu-Gi-Oh! online. You can play all these card games online. Why do you think Hearthstone just is... is so, is so popular? Because it does what Blizzard games do so well in that they take old ideas or ideas that have been around for a while and they just refine them to the point where they're very well produced yeah. and it's just a very tight product. I, so like, like, I completely agree. I think So games like World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft was by no means the first MMO to ever be made, to ever have been made and even the first MMO to ever be popular. Like yeah. there are stuff like, um, like EverQuest, yeah, EverQuest sort of predates... World of Warcraft, and that was very popular. Um, and there are other MMOs as well. Does RuneScape predate World of Warcraft? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Feels like, like RuneCraft. I mean, RuneScape should just. Yeah, but I mean, it's a browser-based MMO. It so is it's a bit different. It is. Um, Do you remember playing those? Oh yeah, just get back in. Adventure I, Quest. I, I, Did you I ever play Adventure Quest? I love, mate. I still have it because it's like a one-time payment. I still have a yeah. subscribe account to Adventure Quest and Adventure Quest Worlds. Did you ever play that? Yeah. Yeah. Worlds was where it was at, man. Yeah. I've still, yeah, I've still got like all the rare armor and. I was a werepire in Adventure Quest, which was just severely overpowered. I was a guardian class. Oh, yeah. Which was like the thing you could only get for playing Adventure Quest, the original game. Mate, I just turned into a werepire and fucked shit up. Yeah. I remember, I remember playing that game like at the, at the, like the Chermside Library. Yes, I played it in the library too. I whenever we'd go to get books, like that's yeah. how I got onto the game yeah. was just seeing all I these kids play at the library. Yeah. yeah. Shit, that makes it sound really old, doesn't it? Like, I went to play my online game at the library. At the library before we had internets and computers. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, the the reason why Hearthstone is just has a very just, good formula. It's incredibly satisfying to do anything in that game. Yeah. To even scroll through your card collection is satisfying. The way you type things in, the sound, even the sounds that the you know all the effects make, it's just an incredibly crisp, well done version of a really old format. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just that it's a really high quality. Everything's really high. It quality. has one of the best like pack box like RNG box opening animations. Yeah, it's all it's of all really, any game. really smooth. Pressing the pressing the hero power is hugely satisfying to me and and I couldn't even pin down why. But even that, like pressing the little button that does like every class you play has its own little little gimmick power and So there's nine classes, yeah. like the sort of base classes of World of Warcraft, there's Hunter, Shaman, Druid, Rogue, Warrior, Priest, Mage, Mage, and um, one other which I'm forgetting. Um, what did you say? Hunter, Hunter, Warrior, like Hunter, Hunter warrior, warrior, Shaman, Shaman, Priest, Druid, Priest, Rogue, Mage, Mage. Is that it? <laughs> That's seven. There's more than seven. There's more than seven. What are we missing? Oh, no. What have I done? Are we missing any? It always seems like like it's... Like, in my mind... No, we're not missing. We're not... In my mind, I think it's like four classes. Like, I think it's much smaller, and then I see the list, and it's really big. Yeah, so I think the re... Yeah. I think the reason why... Another reason why Hearthstone is so popular is because it does the card... It does, like, the card game thing... But it's all online, so it's really easy yeah. to have games with people and play a lot, lot like lots that's, of different decks. That's the problem where it just play dies lots of different ways with other games. Like yeah, finding people the, to play play with you. I've always enjoyed playing card games like Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon cards and Magic the Gathering. But the tough thing yeah. with that is you actually have to physically be with someone to play the it's game. It's definitely a bonding point for us out there. Like we both yeah, like well, no one else would play Yu Gi Oh with us. Yeah, that's the issue. It pairs you up with people like minded people. And, and you can play Yu-Gi-Oh! online, and you can play Magic the Gathering online, and find people that way, but it's just nowhere near as smoothly, like, done. The Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. ones are just incredibly annoying, and the um, the Magic ones, like, there's always been, like, a dedicated Magic client by Wizards of the Coast, but it's always been kind of shit. Yeah. It's always been, well, it's always been bare, very bare bones, like, made by computery people for computery people where like everything's just like a very standard window and it's there's no sort of flair or style to it. In Hearthstone it's it's um it's all about the style really. There's nine classes. We forgot Warlock and we forgot Paladin. Two classes that I play a lot, my God. <laughs> um anyway Um we also are very and, different and, and in so, sort of how the game has evolved over time because it's into his third or fourth year now. I don't know. If, you're you, if you had a look back at how many... If I had a look back at how much money I'd spend on that game, it would be a bit depressing. I haven't spent that, um, that much on there, but... I probably spent close... I spent at least $500 on it. Yeah. Um, but sort of how the game has evolved over time is it really takes advantage of the things of it being an online digital card game and what that actually allows it to do. So Yes, like have, a random... Like stuff, random yeah. effects and random stuff rather than... Um, uh, like physical card games, which are restricted in that you can do some random stuff, but really, yeah. it's a lot more limited. I mean, that's the big pain with a lot of stuff. Like Yu-Gi-Oh, 
really heavily delved into, well, they had a bit of random stuff in it, which is always hard to do, but also it really delved into um, deck stacking mechanics, like mechanics where you pull stuff from your entire deck um, and stuff like that. And that's always been really, it's a really important, I think, mechanic in, in card games, but it's re- always really annoying. Mm. Anything when you pick a card out of your deck. Like we went through that whole period in Magic, which was agonizing to me, where they brought, brought back fetch lands, where you play a land that could be either color, and when you need it, you crack it open and you pull out a land from your deck of that color that you want. And which is great, gotta, but you're oh, going to go through your yeah. deck. Games took literally twice as long. Yeah. Because that's just like half, like half the time is dedicated to shuffling the deck, pulling it out again. That all that all that is is gone in Hearthstone. I think that's a really big contributor as well. Yeah. Um, and so the new expansion that's just yeah. come out, Journey to Angora. It's so it's it's the new rotation of the year. I think they started doing yeah. last year was they've sort of moved to the Magic the Gathering cycles standard format in yeah. that um, there's a certain like every sort of Year, every year a bunch of the old cards cycle out and can no longer be used in the standard format of cards which is a very standard thing to do for all collectible card yeah. games yeah so originally the, the sort of idea with the game was that every card that comes out it's always going to be usable in um, in the ranked play mode mm-hmm. but that that got to the point where so many different cards had come out it was very limiting in the design space in terms of what new stuff they yeah. like, what fun new stuff they could add. I think the issue that they ran into that I didn't think of is I, I thought they did quite a good job of not having power creep, which is um, the biggest threat to your collectible card game. Yeah. But um, the, it brought up a different issue that you never really see because of power creep in other games, which is that just in collectible card games, you're going to have to have a rotation anyway because you want themes. You want and people combinations. To, you want in, people to play new stuff, yeah. otherwise the game gets boring. And you also want the, you want to have themes and combinations of cards. Like that's a that's collectible card games like main thing, right? You want you build a deck around a certain thing. Or you have cards that interact really favorably with each other. And if you keep adding cards of that type, even if they're all power the power level's the same, it creates ridiculous decks just because you can put too many of the same like cards that combo off each other in a deck right you have to remove some because otherwise almost like power creep anyway of the decks because yeah. like the combinations will get so good yeah like, there'll be three like decks played. a really good example of this is if you look at Yu-Gi-Oh cards and you look at back in the day when they first came out oh, yeah. like Blue Eyes White Dragon was actually a really powerful card. It's so stupidly because bad. Because it had 3,000 attack, whereas these days, it's absolute... Like, any, any sort of vanilla card that doesn't actually do anything is absolute garbage. Yeah. And I think that the thing with Hearthstone that... Like, I think the biggest thing you can see with that is, like... Uh, is the Pirates tribe. Which has gone through its whole evolutionary arc. Yeah. There were a few cards always... marked Pirate in vanilla... Yeah. Then there were enough cards that you could build a really shitty pirate deck, but people, some people did. I did. Yeah. Just for fun. Um, it was really bad. They added slowly added more and more cards, like pirate cards, every time they came out. Like people who reviewed, and it was just it was just never quite viable. Yeah, people enough. who reviewed packs and then, it, say and like, then they oh. finally got this one card, yeah. and it made it like broken, insane. Well, people would look really at, annoying to play, and it against. wasn't like that one card was a. Like, if you just looked at that card with no context in Hearthstone, you wouldn't have said that was... Yeah, like, people, people card. never predicted that it would be It was be just as crazy that scroll on the camel's back, I think, patches. Yeah. Where, like, 
Yeah, they just Patches been slowly giving this archetype more stuff, and then all of a sudden, it became Finally great, and enough. then it became too great. Yeah, and now you you know that you, we've got to cut it out. Yeah, and and now the the we've had the standard rotation. Now added a new yeah um added a new uh, set called Journey to Angora, all which is dinosaurs. all themed about dinosaurs and elementals, yeah. and adds this new me- mechanic called quests and adapts and, and, and adapts yeah. as well. But quests are the big um, thing. And it seems like a really good expansion so far. Like yeah, I, quests, I've played a lot of very different decks. Quest um, is probably the most unique um, mechanic that Hearthstone has. There's nothing in any other card games like it, as far as I know. Adapt will discover, discover, discover is pretty good and unique like, to Hearthstone. Yeah, you really can't do that. There, with there are a lot of there are a lot of mechanics are unique to Hearthstone. Yeah, but I think now. that one's the most. There's nothing even similar to a quest. I think. No. In Magic or, or you get... There's nothing similar to Adapt. There's nothing similar to Discover. There's nothing similar to Joust. Joust is pretty good. Um, Joust, yeah. is, Joust has always been a shit mechanic. I, yeah, I like this this meta. This meta is all about, like, it's dinosaurs, right? So there's got to be big minions. And to have big minions that are playable, the meta has to slow down. Hmm. And that's almost why I was so excited about this expansion. Because I... I in Hearthstone, I only play control decks. I really like playing control decks. In Hearthstone, Peter pretty much plays... Like, Peter no, plays no, a bit no. of everything, but I, you definitely play aggro probably more. No, I play probably more mid-range. Yeah? Aggro we have We bring very... We have very different approaches to to card games in general, Peter and I. Like, you definitely want to win the game. And I, I, I not, not in, like, a sense that, like, you'll get annoyed if you lose, but um, I feel like I build... I've always been worse at card games than Pete, and I think the main reason is that I I'm not cut out for it. I'm not the kind of like I I get attached to cards and to big flashy mechanics. Like I I want to play that card. I put Sylvanas in every deck. Turns out Sylvanas is okay, so I got away with it. But I put Sylvanas in every deck because she was my favorite character, and wow, I liked the card. Like, or I'll get attached to certain mechanics, Um, or just like this idea that like this is one legendary card that if I pull it off, though, man, like if I pull it off. It's it's gonna be great. I definitely don't I'll, make I'll my I'll make decisions. my Mogul the Ogre deck, and it'll be it'll be. Great. I did have a Mogul the Ogre deck, um, and and uh, yeah, I'm just not the right person for that. I don't make. You have I, to. Make, I do a lot more net decking than you do. You have to look at cards as like, what can they do for me? Yeah, and just rather than oh, this card which one looks do I so like? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did, I, I did do that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've done that. I've done that in everything. I um, I definitely did that in Dark Souls. I definitely hampered myself in Dark Souls. I use... I pick a weapon that I like, and it's often... What I, I mean, part of the appeal to some of those weapons is, where, like, no one uses them. Mm. Why does no one use them? Probably because they're, like, they're, they're low tier. Yeah, and that's kind of, like, one of the, one of the like, differences between us. You are much more, like... You you want to go against the grain a lot more than I do, yeah, whereas yeah. I'm just kind of happy to do what's the current right. meta best thing to be doing. And I play, I play like I I'll play an anti meta deck in Hearthstone. Yeah, I like I'll, I'll look at it like what's the meta? Let's try and counter it. Um, which is definitely a worse way to play, like <laughs> objectively. So I think to sort of cap off this discuss, like uh, sorry, finish off this discussion. What deck are you going to be? What is the first deck that you have been playing so far? So I've been playing Druid because I've been playing Beast Barnabas Druid. Which is the quest. Yeah, only because... Um, so I've played three games of Druid 
before this expansion. It is the class that I played the least of, like, definitively. Yeah. Haven't even touched it. Um, I'm sure those three wins were for request. You know, like, and that that was it. Um, And I opened up my 50 packs. 50 fucking packs. The only two legendaries I get were the same legendary. (laughs) And that was the Druid quest. And I also looked at all the cards that I got. I got every single Druid card. Two copies. In Ongoro, except um, the quest legendary, like the non-quest legendary, from my packs, and I got fuck all for any other class. Well, I wouldn't worry about getting the non-quest legendary because it's not like no. But you know, what, like I mean, like I just yeah. So that's I looked at. I was like, okay, that's what I'm playing. But uh, uh, in terms of what I've been really having fun with, um, <laughs> this fits, which fits the theme of Sam doesn't pick the right deck. I've been playing um, Plant Lock, which is just Handlock. I love Warlock. I played handlock for a long, long time, and it's just it's just handlock with faceless shamblers and the new card, which uh, his name I forget, but it's a like three mana something. It's a three mana four eight that can't attack, and uh, it's great. And turn three four eight can't attack, but turn three four eight turn four faceless shambler. That's a four eight with taunt that can attack. Yeah. Or turn you can four. Yeah, it was, it's, it's or, kind of broke. Or you can buff it and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I've been the first deck that I crafted was the hunter hunter quest deck. <laughs> yeah, which is it's completely like, in line, complete, almost complete opposite to to that. Like super aggro. Yeah, all about one drops. Yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I've had to like part of my deck maybe a third of my deck in my, my draw deck is, is all cards that I have put in after like I tried to play with it the first time and it came up against like in the lower ranks you'll see more aggro as well because mm. it's, it's a class that's easy to play if you haven't played a lot of Hearthstone yeah like it's a, like people who, Hunt, are, who people Hunt who are in Legend play it as well but as like a choice of like, oh, I feel like this car, this deck's doing really well, but it's a really easy deck to get into. So, um, you see a lot of it and I just, to try, I needed to like really gear my deck against just that Queen Carnassus deck to like escape that like horrible mud pit that was ranked 25 to 20. Yeah. And now I'm seeing other decks, but like, it's a serious thing. And I think it's probably one of the worst matchups for Druid actually. Yeah, oh, for sure, because that, that druid is, like, green from Magic the Gathering, yeah. and there's just all about big which you, boys. Which you think I like, but I actually don't at all. I feel really naked with it. I like blue. Yeah, it's not a lot of removal. It's all about just playing the big yeah. monsters. I'd rather play blue than green Yeah. in Magic. I like removing stuff. Feeling safe. I feel like, safe you with You're, like, Mage, Priest, and Warrior. Yeah, and Warlock. And Warlock. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I think that's a good place to end Probably for, ran over for a, the podcast. Probably time a little bit. That's all right. Yeah, I um, think it's a good place to end. Um, the homework movie that we're going to do for next week is one of my favourite movies ever. Maybe your favourite movie. Quite possibly time. my favourite movie, uh, District 9. Yeah. Which um, we got to talking about it, actually, after we watched Midnight Special, because we were talking about other movies where you know at the end an alien race is going to show up, and that's going to be the ending. Um, and this was... we like I, I brought up District 9, I think, because as an example of a movie that... Uh, that did do that well. Yeah, that you, it was you, satisfying. You kind of know the ending, but it's but like it's. It, I I feel like District Nine doesn't signpost the ending yeah. as much as 
Midnight Special. Well, we'll talk about it later, but which we'll talk about next. The thing week. with District Nine is is um, it's not it, it that's a side plot. Like uh, the real plot of District Nine is just about racism and prejudice, and then yeah, yeah, which we're getting to next yeah, week. Anyway, yeah. anyway uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Search a beer with Sam and Peter. Follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash a beer with Sam and Peter. Yeah, you can always We're get home SoundCloud. From us. We are on iTunes. We're everywhere. Watching. We're everywhere. We're omnipotent. Omniscient? Both. Omnipotent. Both. Watching you sleep. We're iconoclastic. Iconoclastic. So I'm going to have to look up after this. A beer with Sam and Peter, starring Peter and Sam, who are iconoclasts, apparently. Yeah. And the podcast is over. <laughs> Business guys. <laughs>